The nail in the coffin! We had about four months there with no sports, and all of a sudden, we've got a lot of sports. Uh, I have to ask you, what have you been watching since uh, everything's come back here in the last few weeks? Um, I'll be honest. I've watched very little NBA. Very little. Um, Me too. It, it, it just, I don't know. I don't know why. I'm sure the Cavs not being in is a major factor, but I just haven't really been that interested. I haven't really tuned in, and it's kind of weird because there's not much else for me to watch. Um, I've been watching a lot of Tribe, obviously. Sure. Um, nice little, what is it, 20 games now? 20-game run over the uh, over the Tigers. We've been off for I don't know how long, and the Tigers haven't beaten us in that time. So, <laughs> um, yeah, that's it's an interesting little run. Um, but, yeah, that's really kind of been it. I've been watching a lot of golf on weekends just because it's that thing I can kind of put on the background um, and, and sort of keep my eye on. But, yeah, Indians and, Indians and golf is kind of it for me. What about you, bud? You, uh, you, you and I were texting last weekend during the PGA, and that was a fantastic sports Sunday. I think we had a tribe game going on that day. That they played, yep. uh, was that were they on Sunday night baseball? Was that the week they were? On? Yeah. Yep. So, yep. and the golf, I was thinking, there's no way that this is not going to go to uh, extra holes with seven guys tied for the lead on the back nine of the yeah. final round, and Morikawa just went nuts and ran away with that, that, that was, on that was just... phenomenal and I, I have to say i really appreciate it because he basically put that tournament on lock right in time for me to flip over to the blue jackets they've uh they've been my have, favorite i've team, been watching though. blue jackets too i yeah uh, i i'm a little afraid to talk about them i'm not gonna lie because i feel like we've done it like twice in the last four or five years that we've been doing this and every time we do we pretty much put the kibosh on them so <laughs> you uh, trying you put in the kibosh uh, who's good kibosh you got kind of uh, no, I mean, they were a lot of fun in the first round. I think it was um, a really exciting series. Um, and one thing that I think it is sort of stood out to me is it looks a little bizarre playing in an empty arena, but it doesn't feel like it doesn't feel like there's been a whole lot of um, it doesn't. It feels like it has a playoff atmosphere. I think you can tell that the guys have been off for a while and they're maybe not in, you know, normal playoff form. They're a little bit rusty. Uh, but generally the, the games have been, have been very entertaining. Obviously five, five overtimes the other day was pretty insane. Um, I texted one of my other buddies. If this goes six overtimes, the winner should just get credit for three games. Um, if it goes, if it goes nine, just call it a sweep, one game sweep, (laughs) call it off. Um, but no, it's been really, really, it's good to have these things. I mean, I'm last year, we were talking a little bit of CBJ and, uh, even when I lived in Columbus, never really got that into the Blue Jackets, but um, it's been a nice little, nice little addition to my uh, to my regular watching schedule right now with so many things that we're not being able to watch. And yeah, the NHL seems hell bent on just putting them at the most obscure time slots. I think yeah. almost every one of their games in this series with Tampa, they're all like weekday afternoons. I, I guess last night they finally got a, a nighttime game. Of course, it was while there was another game going on NBC at the same time, so uh, they were still pretty much buried in their time slot. But uh, that's fine. But you know, it, it's it's good to have on. Still, yeah, you'll still take it. Yeah, and and um, it's uh, they're a fun group. I got to be honest. Like I've tried in the last few years, I just cannot get into regular season NHL. 
Oh, um, nobody, nobody does. But when the playoffs come on, it's just like a 180. It's it's crazy, and I'm just completely invested in it. And I'll start watching all the games that even don't involve Columbus. And it was interesting what you st- started with there uh, when I asked you what you've been watching, and you said not the NBA. And I'm like right in the same boat as you. And it's not that I have anything against the NBA. I love the NBA, but without any sort of a rooting interest with the Cavs not playing in the bubble down there in Florida, it it's like really hard to like get emotionally invested in it. Yeah. And I've said for a while um, that if you don't, if you don't have a dog in a fight for either sport, playoff hockey is worlds more entertaining than playoff basketball, in my opinion. And to be fair, Much, the play, playoff basketball hasn't even started yet. That starts correct. this week. So true, fair. But I think if you're, if you're just flipping through channels and you're like, hey, which one do I want to watch right now? Um, if, if you're starting both games off completely fresh and you have no idea what type of game it's going to be, um, if you pick a team in a hockey game, you're just like, this is a team I want to root for. You are going to have – and I do. And then the one thing I think that probably some people listening, and I would, this was me, and it's probably still me to an extent, I don't understand a, a lot of the strategy for hockey. Uh, I don't understand a lot of the rules, honestly. There's certain things that, like, just – I don't understand, like, I don't, icing, for example. I don't know why icing is a thing. I always see it, and I know when it's occurring, but I'm like, I don't know why they stop play for that. Why don't they just keep playing? But, um, so for, like, for the layman who doesn't know, like, anything about hockey, I can see why you couldn't get into it. But if you understand, like, the very basics of the game, it's much easier for me to, like, pick a team, root for that team, and you'll enjoy yourself for a playoff hockey game than you would be for any NBA team, in my opinion. Yeah, and you know the other thing that you said that was interesting the the atmosphere for these games. I was really interested to see how all of these different leagues and their TV partners were going to make all of their games look because it's you know a real challenge, and I don't think there's any one specific solution in terms of like how do you present a spectator sport when you don't have any spectators. And I'll tell you. There's... I'll tell you what you don't do. You don't superimpose fans in the stands. Oh yeah, that is that's... the dumbest shit. That is. I'm sorry. That's terrible. It, it's so bizarre. Um, the, the I don't. I don't want crowd don't noise. Want... Has not yeah. bothered me as much as I thought that, it would. Yeah, I don't mind that so much. Um, but I don't like how all of a sudden I'm watching. I'm watching a regular baseball game with real people, and then all of a sudden it looks like I'm watching a video game. Yeah, and the thing is. I think it's only like National Fox that's doing that, yeah. right? It's, yeah, it's that's, not a, even that's the only place I've seen it. I don't know if they're right. doing it anywhere else or not. And, and the other thing with it that's really weird is they only are able to do that with certain camera angles. So when they're showing a close-up of a guy in the batter's box, you can't see fans in the background like down the first baseline or something like that. It's only okay. when you get, get like that wide shot from up, uh, you know, up above the press box behind home plate. Part of uh, me maybe does a couple wonder, other angles. Part of me does wonder if the fake fans are bothered by the extended netting. <laughs> do you think it's impairing their vision at all? Because they seem to all be having a great time. They're standing they, a lot. They're all they applauding. Do. I don't know. I um, it, it was incredibly bizarre to me when Fox announced they were doing that, that they made a special point to say that, yeah, we could even have them do the wave. Because let me tell you, the only thing I like seeing less than <laughs> real fans doing the wave is fake fans doing the wave. <laughs> 
Nobody wants this. Yeah, I, I hate the the wave when I'm there in person. What makes you think I want to see it at home? It's awful. Uh, I hate it's it. It's ridiculous. I do. And I'll be honest, when I first heard that they were doing it, it kind of made me laugh. I'm like, okay, let's just go all in on like gimmicky bullshit like that. Um, maybe go over the top with it. Um, but seeing it in action, I just, I couldn't do it. It's, I, I mean, I still watch the game and everything, but every time it went over there, I'm like, oh, God, they're over here again. Stop, Stop putting the ball over there. Stop doing this. Well, the other one that's weird is different networks are doing different things with like basically the same games, uh, not literally the same game, but like the example I'm thinking of is like the MLS tournament before the rest of the leagues really started cranking up with all their games. MLS was the first one that came back by like a couple of weeks. So I was kind of watching those perfect background noise. And if you watch the games on ESPN, they had no crowd noise piped in. And you would then watch it on FS1 and they were putting in crowd noise. And these games, like sometimes they would play like two games back to back on the same field and, or like adjacent fields right next to each other at the same complex, whatever. And they would like be on the same night and the games are on different channels. And like the one channel you're listening to, it sounds like there's 30,000 people there. And the other one, it's crickets chirping. And it was really uh, disorienting because, like, you know, ESPN with no crowd noise. And, um, yeah, it's uh, it, the, the the CGI fans that are definitely the worst. Um, yeah. the, the, the background, I, I haven't watched a ton of NBA, but the fans that they've got on the screens in there, for some reason, don't bother me quite as much. I don't know. Maybe it's just because those are, like, actual people that are actually watching the game. Yeah, could be. Um, yeah, I'm I'm with you. I haven't watched a ton of it, but the the little bit of that I've watched, it's had sort of a, I mean, it's had sort of a like summer league feel to it. Yeah. Um, because they're so empty and everything, but um, generally, I think they did they did a pretty good job. There was a couple games I remember watching. They had like big screens sort of along the side of right um, and stuff, and so that was all. I thought that was a good sort of adjustment. Give you something to to make it less obvious that it was very empty there. Um, but beyond that, I don't know. I think it, it's, it is what it is at this point. I, I'm okay with places trying a few different things. Um, I've, I found like the superimposed, um, like when you watch CBJ games, they have the like sponsors superimposed yeah. on the glass and stuff. I thought that was kind of interesting. Yeah. That's um, only I remember... on the, uh, the local, if you watch them okay. on NBCSN, those aren't on there. Okay um i mean that's not surprising but yeah I, I found that funny i'm like oh they're playing in toronto and then it sort of dawned on me and i did it didn't really register right away that they were that they weren't actually there but i saw one for like high bank distillery i'm like this is a little <laughs> oh okay i see what's going on uh-huh. here uh, you got me yeah the the tarped off sections around the 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 glass at uh, Toronto and Edmonton where they're doing all the NHL games. It looked really weird to me for about a game. And I think after that, it's just become like, okay, this is what hockey looks like on TV now. And it, it doesn't really bother me nearly as much. The, uh, the baseball games, I haven't really seen a whole lot on national Fox other than a couple times. The Indians have been on there pretty much all my baseball watching has been Indians games on STO. Yeah. And, um, you know, the, the thing that was the most jarring to look at on there was just how many more ads they've had to put in around the stadium and on the Tons. field. And um, I was 
only kind of half joking with you that when I started seeing cardboard cutouts in the stands that uh, the Indians were going to just have like 20,000 flow cutouts filling the lower bowl at progressive field. And, and you weren't far off. I was going to say, I think I was half right. Cause they pretty, actually, pretty close. they have Flo and Jamie sitting right behind home plate and they've got a tarp with her in left field and two more in right field. And uh, I think like three more on the backstop. Um, I, I, I get, yeah, so Someone's someone posted like a screenshot at one point, and I think the word progressive was on the screen like eleven times. Yeah, in one shot, it was just wild. But um, I mean, I get it. They got to they got to make some. They got to make, gotta make gotta their make money. money and I think the thing for me is the the tarped off sections with the giant ads, and I think there was talk like the NFL is going to be doing that this year too. That doesn't bother me quite as much because you know that once. Um, fans are allowed in the stadium. Those tarps are going to go away. There's going to be people sitting there and it's going to look normal. But where I start to cringe a little bit is you've got ads painted on the field. You've got ad, you know, progressive painted on the back of the pitcher's mound. Um, the backstop at progressive field, just, I don't know why I'm irrationally bothered by this. I think maybe it's because I know what that looked like when that park first opened. And it feels like every year, they found a way to shoehorn like one more add in that was there the year before. And there's just no real thought or, or rhyme or reason to like, you know, any consideration for what's already there. And when you look at, you know, the, the traditional view from center field, looking over the pitcher's shoulder into home plate, it's like looking at, uh, you know, junk mail or the, the yellow pages now. And it's just such an eyesore in, in Cleveland. And I don't know. I mean, you know, you got to do what you got to do, but aesthetically, man, it's rough. It's yeah, it's and I don't know if it's like this everywhere, like you said. I haven't noticed. I, it's, and maybe it's because it's Cleveland. It doesn't seem as glaring. Like today, we were watching them um, in Detroit, and it didn't seem as like over the top to me. But it could just be that I wasn't paying as much attention to it. I'm telling um, you, I, I I'm gonna start keeping track of this. I'm pretty well convinced the in that backs the backstop right behind the catcher and the umpire. I think the Indians have more ads in that piece of real estate than any other park in baseball now because be. it's they had you know the dugout suite is you know they started to, they, they put in one about 15 years ago and then it was like we're going to put a skinny one up above it and now we're going to put one to the left of it and now there's going to be one to the right of it and now like the trim along the top and bottom there's more and it's like just more and more and more and it's like my god I, it, like it, it you got to draw a line somewhere right yeah um well, yeah, maybe you don't. I'll be, interested to, I'll be interested to see what your research shows up. Um, yeah. I, I'm with you. It feels a bit over the top, but like I said, I haven't noticed it much elsewhere. Um, yeah. Similarly, sort of all over the place, the uh, the performance on the field has been somewhat, Yes, we'll, we'll call it inconsistent. Um, and I think that's probably the perfect word for it. They've been, I don't know, the bats are... The bats are incredibly up and down. Obviously, starting pitching has been great. Yeah. Um, pretty consistent all year, right? Um, but results against the Tigers are consistent. Uh. And maybe I'm maybe I'm maybe I'm not gonna maybe I I'll discount the Tigers because for whatever reason we just seem to beat the shit out of them no matter how the game goes. Yes. Um so this weekend obviously was nice. Um big sweep. Twenty makes the streak uh twenty games against them, so uh that's all well and good. But how do you feel right now about the team as a whole? Do you feel like they're in a good spot? I mean, when guys like 
it, it seems like Lindor and Friendmail are sort of maybe getting their stride. And obviously, if that continues, that's great and and that's big for them. But um, I don't know. What do you think so far? I'd feel better if I saw performances like that happening against teams that you're actually going to see in the postseason. Um, the series against Minnesota a couple weeks ago didn't look real great after the first night. I mean, you and I, I think, were texting during that one. Shane Bieber kind of toyed with the Twins, and that was awesome. Perfect way to start that. And then the rest of that weekend just went to hell. Okay. Uh, you know, earlier this week, the Indians kind of got roughed up by the Cubs. And, you know, the Cubs are looking great over in the NL Central. Um, so, you know, it, but when you see some of these, uh, you know, enhancement talent, uh, jobber teams like the Tigers, although I guess the Tigers had a decent record coming into the weekend, but I don't think anybody's really expecting them to to last. You know, the Indians seem to, you know, handle their business pretty well there. So I don't know. I mean, like you said, the starting pitching has been phenomenal. Uh, the bullpen has been, I think, for the most part, better Pretty than solid. I would have expected. Pretty solid, yeah. Brad Hand makes me reach for the Tums every time he comes in. Um, Karen Shack's awesome. Uh, a few of the other guys, I, I think, have stepped up. Uh, Matone, Phil Matone, has been. Yeah, uh, he, had, um, he he gave up. I think he gave up a game tying homework today, but yeah, he's been he's been pretty good. Yeah. Um, it's interesting because I don't know that. It feels like there's already been a couple times this year where the bats have been sort of have been dead for a couple games, and then we're like, oh, they're going against this guy, so this is, this is exactly what they need. And I know it happened, and I can't remember the guy's name. There was a guy for the Reds who, you know, we had a couple rough games, bats, and then we're like, oh, this guy's coming in. He's got like a seven ERA. This is exactly what they need. To need. And then I think they got like one run off of them, and it's like, even when you're playing against these guys that you should you know, be sort of teeing off on. They've struggled to. Um, obviously, today was a big one. They're, they're very feast or famine. It seems like they'll score 10 runs one day and one the next two. Um, yeah, there was somebody they played a week or two ago where the other – I can't remember who the team was, but they were throwing a bullpen game and shut out the Indians on like two hits. And it's like, Jesus Christ. <laughs> yeah. That can't, yeah you, you run into somebody's ace, that's going to happen. But you can't – It's been tough going, uh, You man. can't get shut out on two hits in a bullpen game. That, that can't right. happen. Yeah. And so I don't know. It's, it, it feels like it's been really difficult to sort of get a feel on where this team is and, and what they're going to be and, and what to expect from them. Um, what do you, what do you make of the Clevenger and police stuff? I thought that it seems like, it seems like to me, they, they probably pissed off their teammates more than we maybe thought. Right. We heard some very like um, Lindor's statement, and the Plutko statement, those guys both came out and they didn't seem like it was just water under the bridge. They seemed like those two guys had a lot of explaining to do in that clubhouse and they probably pissed off a lot of guys, maybe more than, maybe more than I would have expected. Um, yeah. I also think the punishment is, is pretty fucking harsh. Um, more than, more than I probably would have anticipated, but yeah, for a while, it seemed like they might be like costing them, uh, themselves a year of free agency. Although I think that got clarified after the fact that, they'll probably be able to be brought back in time for that not to be the case. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's when it was that it seemed really over the top. Right. Um, I haven't heard any, I didn't hear what you just mentioned. So I didn't realize that that was maybe not the case, but um, even still, it seems like a, a pretty harsh, 
punishment that could hurt the team quite a bit um, in a season where, let's be honest, every game kind of matters right now. So, um, I mean, you have to think with, you know, with how many teams are getting in the playoffs and everything, it shouldn't, it shouldn't totally kill their chances, but it's still, you have very little room for error this year. And those guys, you know, sort of put them behind the eight ball a little bit. Um, And that's beyond all this sort of locker room problems that might've come from it. Right. Um, Aaron Boone with the Yankees and maybe other managers are doing this too, but this is the one that I read about. I felt like from a managing standpoint has had the best approach to all of this with the way he's discussed this with his team in that his, his message to his players has been, it is a competitive advantage for us to follow the protocols and keep everybody healthy. Every single guy here and healthy. Yeah. And it's, you know, it's brilliant. It's, it's simple, but it's really smart because number one, he's right. You know, the, the, more games you have with all of your best players active and playing, the better your odds are of winning. And the other thing with that is, you know, you start getting into all these discussions about, you know, what we think of COVID and, you know, what do you believe and all that. And and this just sets all of that apart because there's no real room for, you know, there's no wiggle room on it. It's like, these are the protocols that your union agreed to these are the rules and however you feel about them doesn't really matter if you break these rules this is what happens then you can't play you have to go into quarantine Mm -hmm. so you know regardless of how you feel about it hey follow these stick with this write it out for nine weeks that we need to get through this season and we're gonna give ourselves the best chance that we have to win yeah, I think I didn't I wasn't familiar with with what Boone is doing, but I think that makes perfect sense. It's and it I don't know if this has happened a lot of other places. I don't follow other teams obviously nearly as much as the Indians, but it, it seems like it seems like such a simple ask. And I don't know. I, I guess I'm not I'm not a millionaire traveling all around the country like professional athlete. I get it. Like they live a very different lifestyle. Um but it seems like such a simple ask and, and you don't usually see it from, you don't usually see it. Cause I feel like in baseball, probably more than the other sports. Um, it, it seems like there's a very, it seems like clubhouse like environment matters so much. And those guys take it, I think a little bit more seriously than like basketball and football players do. Um, so to see them do that. And, and obviously a lot was made out of the fact that um Carlos Carrasco just overcame leukemia and all those things. And that's obviously a big factor as well. Um, But I don't know. It's such a weird, a weird time. And the fact that they're, they're not taking these types of pretty simple things seriously is, should be a bit of a red flag. I also think what's his face. uh, Please shit the bed with his little apology. I'm not, I'm, I'm doing air quotes. Everyone listening can't see that, but um, it's, it's uh, I don't know that it's, you're just making things worse and you're blaming the media and all this shit. Like everything they reported is a hundred percent accurate by your own right. admission. So what yeah, I was going to uh, say, your, your, your teammates were yeah. sitting in front of microphones saying exactly how they felt. That's not right. the media making anything up. Like we all watch these players say these things. Like I watched Plutko's uh, 
you know, press conference or whatever when he gave his two cents on it. Um, so clearly this is not just some media creation. I mean, th- th- these are quotes and direct words straight from the guys that you share a clubhouse with. So, yeah, I, I almost kind of wonder if that led into them being sent down to Lake County. Like, yeah, you guys didn't really get it right here. Let's let's try again. Um, I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with them. I know there had been some talk that just contract-wise with where Clevenger is at and where the Indians' pitching depth is, there was a lot of thinking. You can't thinking parlay that, him into a bat. That, well, I mean, there was a lot of thinking that he might be getting dealt this coming offseason anyway. Maybe now this just picks up that timeline a little bit. Um, yeah. So, wouldn't shock me. Uh, I, I think, you know. I have a yeah, feeling it's, other... it's, someone would take him if there's someone who needs, you know, starting pitching help, they'll obviously maybe take that risk. Um, yeah, I heard someone mentioned that... send him off to Houston. Who's got a lot of uh, like farm bats and, and he's obviously been pretty outspoken about his, his distaste for that organization, but right. So yeah, that'd be, that, well, that'd be awkward. Um, somebody else had mentioned like somebody on the Yankees that they wanted him to trade for. And I was thinking like, man, I remember when Clint Frazier got traded there and he had to cut off all his hair. Now Clevenger with his Clevenger. flowing red mane. And I think he's got facial hair this year. And yeah, he, he looked like a whole right new now, person. Yeah. Um, no kidding. I thought it was super interesting that uh, I was listening to Zach Jackson and Andre not do their podcast uh, from a few days ago. And they started talking about this a little bit. And I guess behind the scenes that, you remember that when they were in Chicago for that series with the White Sox, I think the Saturday game was in the afternoon and the Sunday game was supposed to be a day game. And then they ended up playing on Sunday night baseball because whatever the originally scheduled game was, I think it was involving the Cardinals and with all their troubles that they've got going on there on the shelf right now. So oh, how many MLB, games have they played now? Uh, Are they still at know. five? No, I, I don't God, I hope not that. They were at five like four days ago, so they can't be much past that. They're at eight. They played eight games this year. Eight games. My goodness. That's yeah, insane. well, so the domino effect of all this was they couldn't play, so ESPN needed a Sunday night game, and, you know, with not having to worry about fans with tickets, you can be a lot more flexible with last-minute schedule switches, so they put the Indians and White Sox in primetime there, and when that got announced like a day or two before all of a sudden there was a little bit of concern within the Indians organization, I think, because it's like, well, these guys are going to play on Saturday afternoon and now they don't have to be to the ballpark until Sunday night. So they're going to have Saturday night with a lot of time on their hands. What's going to happen. And well, we see what happened, but exactly what they thought might happen. (laughs) Right. But you know, it's just kind of weird the way that works out that, you know, because another team in another league is, uh, you know, being forced to postpone all their games it you know, shuffles the Indian schedule and at least this, and who's to say that, you know, if you would have had a similar situation, a week or two from now with a day game followed by a night games and you're on the road that this wouldn't have happened anyway. But uh, yeah, it was just kind of an odd uh, trickle down effect the, the way that played out. Yeah. And I think as I look at like the, the Cardinals and how many games they're, they're missing and having postponed, it, it almost feels like you're not, 
you're probably punishing those other teams that have to play the Cardinals too, because they're going to have to cram all those games in later. Right. Um, it's not just the Cardinals that are going to have to do that. Um, so I, there's not really, I don't think there's anyone that has quite as extreme a gap as St. Louis does right now. I know there's a couple other teams that have a couple games to make up, but nothing too crazy um, in the AL. So that's good for the Indians, I guess, but it's, it's weird. I don't, I don't know. I, I almost feel like early on the first like week or two of the season when I think it was it Tampa or no, it was Miami. Miami had like a, an outbreak and right. then who was the other one? Philly. I think Philly was playing Miami at the time or something. I don't remember who the teams were, but I remember there was a couple of teams that were sort of immediately right off the bat. We're like, Oh God, we're going to have to quarantine these guys. We're going to have to postpone these games, blah, blah, blah. And I was just like, there's no way this, this, like works like, we're just gonna have to call this pretty soon um and they powered through and they pushed through it um whether they can whether they can maintain it i mean time will tell but it's been pretty wild to see the <laughs> the utter chaos there was a game a few weeks ago the indians were i think they were playing when they went to extra innings and they got rain delayed in the middle of it Yes. And I was like, fuck, you do not want to have to make this up later. Like, you got to stay there for three, four hours and just finish this game if you can. Like, yeah. And they, they, ended up, they ended up finishing it up. It's just like, you don't know what's going to happen down the road. You need to, like, force these games to be done the day they're scheduled and stuff. If you if you have guys there and you're, you know, full capable and, and ready to play, you got to get them in. I honestly that was think the- they need to tell St. Louis, like, fuck you guys. Get your minor leaguers up here and play. Like you guys, we can't we can't keep delaying these games for everyone else because you guys can't get your yeah. shit together. Um, I, I think one of the things I was not prepared for with this baseball season and the by any means necessary approach to get through is just how the schedule has the major league baseball schedule in general has just kind of turned into this living document. Like obviously, you know, we've had games postponed and you know, having to be made up later. But I mean, I think around the time of that first outbreak that shut down Miami, there were teams getting rerouted where it was like, I think it was the Yankees and Baltimore, maybe where they were like, they were both supposed to be playing other teams that had outbreaks. So it's like, all right, well you, you guys like the Yankees, I think were planning on going home and just having a workout at their stadium. And all of a sudden we're told like, no, you need to get on a plane. You're heading to Baltimore to, play games there now and it's okay i guess we're gonna play the orioles this week instead um, and i think he's kind of known all year though like the team that can that can sort of go with the flow and be the most flexible that's gonna right that's gonna be a big advantage you know that's but gonna... there was the, so the, there there's that where like games are just you know who's available okay well these teams can play for now so we'll have them play and get their games out of the way and figure out the rest later and then like the other change that got made after the season started was like when they started realizing how many double headers all these teams were going to need to have to, you know, make up games. It's like, well, we can't be having these nine inning games and double headers. So they just, after the season started to great. Okay. From now on, now we're just going to play seven inning double headers, which is, yeah, that was sort of a weird twist to throw in there. Right. And selfishly, that's, I feel like that's a huge advantage for the Indians. Absolutely. Um, you know, I mean, their bullpen's been good, but, but yeah, if you, if you have, I mean, look, look at Bieber. He's had how many games? I think he's gone seven every game or pretty close to it. Yeah. Um, the, I mean, if you only need to get seven innings out of a um, 
out of your starter or six and only you only need one inning of relief that's a huge advantage if you've got deep pitching so right for the indians obviously that's a huge it's, that's a that's a that's a help but um i don't know it's it's a wild thing you're right just to sort of like throw in after the fact like ah you know what now we're gonna shorten this up a little bit yeah it's uh it, it's bizarre and they're still talking now about the postseason looking at just how successful the NBA has been with their bubble and the NHL has been with their bubble. Uh, baseball has been looking at, is there a way that we could do this for our postseason in the fall? And I saw one of the possibilities was setting it up in California where like, I think they would use three stadiums for the first round of the playoffs. Cause you know, they're expanded this year with 16 teams making it. And then, after that, I think I think why they was, wouldn't just do it in Arizona? Um, yeah, I mean that that was another you possibility. Got Ten stadiums there. Why would? Yeah, like, just go to Phoenix and. But I don't know. I, I, I think I, I thought that for the season. I was like, oh, they do that for the season, but there was there you were two a whole lot of outdoor baseball in in Phoenix in the middle of July. So right, yeah, I think the the proposal I saw there was a version of it for California where they would use I think. Uh, Dodger Stadium, uh, the stadium where the Angels play, and San Diego. And then for the first round, if they needed to add in like the San Francisco Giants Stadium up and, uh, you know, up, up the coast a little bit, there was another version that would use uh, basically Chicago with the two Chicago stadiums and then Milwaukee because that's pretty close. I think it's, what's that, like an hour away? From Chicago? Yeah. Probably about that, maybe an hour and a half. Yeah. Shouldn't so, be too bad. Uh, that, was the, that was the other one. Um, and, and then possibly New York with uh, the Yankees and Mets and you know a couple other uh, ALE stadiums that aren't too far away. So I would guess there's a – I would say at least 50% chance they end up doing some sort of bubble for the Something. MLB postseason just to try yeah. to – it would make sense. I was honestly a little surprised they didn't try to do something for the regular season, but from what I can tell, the players were like 100% gung-ho against it, so right. I don't know if that would be a factor in the playoffs or not, but yeah, we'll see. We'll find out. I'm sure, they've, they're, I'm sure they're exploring options, because they pulled together this season pretty... It feels like... I mean, it feels like they dragged their feet for a long time, but once they were like, alright, we're going to go ahead with something, they, they pulled the, together the logistics pretty quickly. They did. Um... Last thing I want to talk to you about it. Uh, it seems like college football in general kind of hanging by a thread where it's going to be pretty quiet around here. No action, no big 10. Uh, do you expect the other, the other power five conferences? What do we have left right now? The ACC, the, PAC, ACC, or the big 12, big and, 12 SEC. and SEC. Yeah. Do you think so, they're going to play and do you think they're going to get through the season if they do? Um, it's, it's a loaded question. I think, I think, I think they're probably going to try to force it through. I think they'll probably, they'll, part of me thinks they might complete it come hell or high water. And they'll just decide, you know what, whoever, if there's an outbreak, there's an outbreak, whatever. We're going to play football Um, and, and sort of, you know, just, spit in the face of common sense and ignore what maybe doctors are saying. I hope that's not the case. Um, I have a hard time thinking that they should be able to get through a season. Um, but it, it's all such a crapshoot. Like I have no idea. I'm not going to count anything out, I guess at this point. Um, 
I saw there's a petition going around that Justin Fields started to try and like, because from what I can tell, it seems like the biggest problem is that the NCAA and, and I, I, I say problem sort of loosely. It's, it's one of the biggest holdups to playing football, I think, is that the NCAA won't let teams or won't let schools use like a waiver, right? So Ohio State and all these teams are like, okay, I think probably their thinking was we, we have to cover our asses a little bit. We can't just have people playing. That's, there's way too much liability associated with that. The NCAA said, well, you're not allowed to have them waive that liability. And they said, well, fuck it. Guess we can't play then. Um, and that's obviously a very condensed version of what I think has happened. Um, and so it sounds like uh, Big Ten, from what I can tell, a lot of Ohio State players and parents um, want that to sort of be revisited. And they're open to the idea of signing a waiver and, and, and playing anyways, which I don't know. I've seen, I mean, I don't know if you saw all like the, the pictures and videos and stuff from kids that are back on campuses around the country this year, but um, there's no fucking way that there's not another outbreak really soon in these college towns. Cause you can't count on 18 to 22 year old kids to, to be responsible. Right. Um, so I, I, I have no idea. I honestly don't know. It's, it feels like it's still up in the air. Selfishly. I, I don't think spring football is feasible at all. I don't think no. that's possible. Um, so yeah, I, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm kind of bummed that I'm probably going to get to watch Justin Fields for one season, but it's, you know, it is what it is right now. I understand why the kids want to play. I understand the coaches that are going to bat for him. I think Ryan Day has been pretty outspoken about trying to find a way to make it happen for Ohio state one way or another. Um, the whole idea that like, well, Hey, they're 18. They can go sign waivers. It makes me really uncomfortable because in that scenario, you're basically putting all the liability on the only party in this whole operation that's not getting any of the financial benefit from all the revenue that gets generated by a season happening. And I, you know, somebody's going to come out of the woodwork and say like, well, they're getting a scholarship. They're getting free college. If you think that's commensurate with well, they're getting the revenue, they're getting the they're, if they don't play football right now. So that doesn't right. Really well, a, there's that. And B, if you think that that's commensurate with, the revenue that they're generating, if that's like a fair slice of the pie, I mean, come on. Um, I, I'll, I'll disagree a little bit here because if, if I'm looking at the, if I look at the, I always use OSU as the example because they're sort of the one that's most relevant to us, obviously. If you look at OSU football, let's use Justin Fields, for example. Mm-hmm. What's, what's the incremental revenue that he generates compared to any other kid that could be in that spot? I think it's pretty slim. I think it's slim to nothing. Um, yes, if they have a good season and he go, you know, he gets all these accolades and they're in the national title hunt, that stuff all sort of rolls up. But collectively, they generate a lot. Ohio State football generates a lot. Ohio State football makes a lot more money off of being Ohio State football than they make off of having a guy like Justin Fields. Um, I mean, we can see it when they had like Joe Bowserman, the stadium was still sold out. They're still selling just as many jerseys. Yeah, I mean, and all I, that I get that. We're, we're and, cheering for laundry. 
I, yeah. I, I understand and, what you're saying, but like you need players, whether it's Justin Fields or Joe Bowserman or whoever, somebody's got to fill that uniform. I'm having I'm having tra- traumatic Joe Bowserman flashbacks now. <laughs> I, I'm regretting you, throwing that name out there. Don't you put that evil on me? <laughs> uh. Uh, so, but I, I get it from both sides, and and the thing that sort of the thing that frustrates me the most frustrates me the most is it's not it's not the Justin Fields. Justin Fields is one of the best players in college football. He's one of the most valuable. If we're talking about, you know, guys getting paid for lack of a better term commensurate to what their value is. He's one of the most valuable, but he also needs it the least. He's going to be a top three, four draft pick next year. He doesn't need additional exposure. He doesn't really need additional reps. He doesn't need any of these things. It's the kid who um, was maybe like borderline draft pick and could play himself up into the fifth or sixth round or a guy like Jonathan Cooper, who was a D lineman for Ohio state last year. He got hurt and missed some of the season who could maybe work his way up into the first round. It's those guys who are really being sort of like deprived the most. And those are the guys I feel the worst about. Cause it's like, yeah, they really have an incentive to go play um, more so than like the Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence and those guys whose, whose fate is pretty much already written at this point. Well, let me ask you this. If this, all happened one year ago where does joe burrow get drafted oh um shit i honestly don't know if he does yeah i mean mean, he had he had a bad i'm not gonna say bad he was very mediocre he was a he was a game manager who didn't do a whole lot to impress anybody two years ago so yeah he's you know he's a very late round pick and and i don't know if if there's a guy like poised and I mean, Tua still got drafted pretty early. He was the guy that everybody penciled in at that one slot. So he's still, um, and that could happen to Trevor Lawrence this year. There could be someone who comes out of nowhere and passes him and Justin Fields. But um, yeah, that's the kid who is missing out a lot. I don't know who that kid is. That's why I can't name him and and throw him out there. But there is a kid out there who was going to bust on the scene, come out of nowhere, make himself a lot of money, get drafted really high this year, who's not going to get that opportunity. And that kind of sucks. I mean, yeah, it's it's rough. It kind of is what it is, and you, and I and I think it's one of these things that's sort of not getting all that much attention. Really, they're talking. I feel like I hear every day about Justin Fields and Trevor Lawrence. I don't hear many people mentioning like how much these other kids are going to miss out from it. And the problem is, I don't have a good solution because I do think, I do think the Big Ten and the Pac-12 are making the smart decision. Um, but I also feel part of me feels like you're you're taking opportunities away from kids that that can be huge like life-changing monumental opportunities that it's it's there's no perfect solution and it's 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 unfortunate either way no matter how you look at it and it's it's an impossible position now but it will be really interesting to me to see what kind of ramifications all of this has down the road because I could see one scenario where, you know, maybe those other three power five conferences plow through and they end up playing their season. And then all of a sudden kids that are thinking about, you know, where they're going to want to go to school, they're kind of, you know, looking at the big, big 10 and pac 12, like you wouldn't let us play. I wouldn't have been able to play if I went to your, you know, your schools, Mm-hmm. Whereas, like, God forbid, something happens and there's like a big outbreak, and 
one of these teams in these conferences that's playing has, you know, some players have some real serious health implications come out of it. Then all of a sudden the big 10 and pac 12 are like, we're the ones that were looking out for your health and you gave us a lot of shit for it in the moment. But um, you know, this is why we, that's, that's sort of the the downside to it is, is from a practical standpoint, we can look and say that, yeah, if, if that's the case, the big 10 and the pac 12 come out of it looking good, but I don't, I don't, I still, I don't think that's something you can still sell. Like, I don't know. I don't think you can go. No, I, it I feels, it feels dirty. Most kids will, most kids will be like, I don't give a shit. I wanted to play like, yeah. And you still would like it. I don't think that even if us looking at it as like, you know, 35 year olds with, a little more life under our belt and a little less skin in this game. I'd love to still be 35. <laughs> I mean, yeah, mid thirties, let's call it mid to late thirties. Um, I sign up for 35 and we obviously have no skin in this game other than the fact that we, you know, we like to watch college football. So for yeah. us to look at it, we can say, yeah, okay. I think they probably make the, the right choice. You're not going to, you're, you're not going to win many kids over by saying, yeah, you know, we, uh, we, we made the right decision. We didn't play anything. I mean, well, fuck, why would I go there? I'd still rather go over here and play. I'll take yeah. my chances. So um, I, I think you're nuts if you don't think that, you know, SEC and ACC coaches are going into uh, calling up kids right now being like, yeah, do you want to go up there and maybe not play? Or you want to come down here and, and you know that we'll do everything we can to make sure you can get on the field. Um so it'd be interesting to see. I mean, that's sort of a, a long-term down the road thing if it impacts things like recruiting, but um, I don't know. I'm pretty bummed about it. Just not necessarily that I think they even made the wrong decision. It just, it's kind of a bummer. Um, Cause obviously, you know, me college football is my, my favorite sport to watch. Um, so missing a season that, that looked like for all accounts is going to be a pretty damn good one for Ohio state is, is it's a bummer, but what the hell are you gonna do? You know, it is it is what it is at this point. It's and like I said, I think they're probably making the smart, prudent decision. Um, that doesn't make it suck any less, though. Would it make you feel better when the calendar gets to November if we spend about a half an hour on here arguing about the college football playoff format just for old time's sake? Oh, we have to. It's a tradition <laughs> like no other. Um, no, it's it's a scary new world. Just a little uh, bit of familiarity, right? Let, let's okay. Let's say like that. There's only let's say only two conferences. Let's say one of the other three remaining cancels. Right? They canceled their season. There's only let's say it's SEC and the Big Twelve play. I'll say the ACC cancels. Do they still have the playoff? And does do the teams that that play in it? I mean, yeah, they're going to claim it, but does anyone like actually recognize any title that's won under this scenario? I, I, I don't see how you can, and maybe that's just sour grapes coming from somebody whose, you know, team of interest got their season wiped out. But I mean, whereas you know, when we were talking about this the last time we were on here about Major League Baseball and the asterisk, at least in that scenario all the teams that are usually involved are still involved. You're still competing against everybody. You're just playing a, a different type of schedule. This here, like, I, I don't know how you can take seriously a, a championship when between 40 and 60% of the teams that would normally be involved with it suddenly aren't. You know, I, do you think anybody in the SEC would take a title seriously if the sec wasn't playing 
No, but they pretty much excuse away any title, even when they are playing, <laughs> if they don't win it. So that's that's fair. Um, yeah, it, it's it's weird, and, and truthfully, who cares? Like, it doesn't that that's something that's kind of dumb. Like, I don't I don't know that any of that matters. You look back at all those titles. Um, there's a ton of titles out there that schools are claiming that if if you know you and I were transported back in time and watched those seasons, we'd be like, "How the hell are you putting that title up there? Like, you have no right. business claiming this right, right now." There's a lot of those out there where, like, if you went and looked at the circumstances under which they won it, you'd be like, "Yeah, yeah, no, 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 you don't get to claim that one." Mm-hmm. Um, Alabama does that quite a bit. Uh, I think Notre Dame does it. Um, I'll sound like a homer. Ohio State's pretty good about. It. They have a, probably probably have a couple that are that they could claim if they really wanted to um and there's a lot of those out there i don't know that yeah like you mentioned this isn't going to be one of it's not comparable to the other sports where everyone is playing under the same circumstances you legitimately have a huge part of a huge segment of your normal competition not partaking at all right um so who knows i mean unlike baseball and unlike unlike the probably pretty similar to the NBA. I don't know if I'll get into college football like I normally do. Like I, I watch every, I watch tons of college football, even non Ohio state games. You want Ohio state's not playing. I'm still watching a lot of games throughout the course of the season. I, I, I don't know if I see it happening. If there's only a couple conferences that are taking part and we know that at the end of the season, it's going to be a fucking hodgepodge of whoever's left standing. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't see myself being that interested in it. There was talk that when it was starting to look like all of college football would shut down, I think there was a, a lot of thinking that once one conference finally bit the bullet and made the decision to pull the plug on the season, all the rest of them would follow. It would cascade and, and they were all kind of like waiting on someone to do it first. Exactly. And you, you know, you had the Big Ten and then you had the Pac-12 and everybody else kind of tapped the brakes before that stop happened. There was a lot of talk that with no college football happening this year, the NFL was going to move some games around so that we were going to have like an uh, an NFL triple header every Saturday to fill those slots. And, uh, and, you know, again, with like what happened with the Indians the other day, when you don't have to worry about accounting for fans, you can play fast and loose with game times. Um, I'd be curious to see if anything like that happens, if just a few conferences are playing or if the football watching on Saturday is just going to be like all SEC and big 12 all the time. Yeah. I mean, personally, I think, the, I think the NFL would be, yeah. And Clemson. Um, I think the NFL would be nuts to not like, I, I almost think just to, I don't I don't love like how random some of the games are not like I don't love Thursday night NFL games I don't love I don't really care for Monday night football honestly I think every team should just be playing on sort of like the same schedule every week um but I think they'd be nuts to not take advantage of open Saturdays and and, and three nope. games on Saturday my like guess is they'll hold off Saturday. yeah my guess is they would hold off on doing that if there is enough co- power five college yeah if sec SEC you don't want to kill the golden goose there that's your feeder system and and you don't want to harm them but yeah if if those other conferences would shut down i could totally see that yeah if there's no college football they'd be nuts to not say yeah okay we're just gonna throw some games on saturday and truthfully part of me thinks like 
part of me thinks it would make a lot of sense to, um, I don't know, and I guess they haven't really, the schedule doesn't take all this into account, but sort of divvy up these teams will play on Saturday, these teams will play on Sunday, like all season. Um, I don't think that's, it's probably not feasible, but a way that makes it so everyone's playing every week on the same like amount of rest. It's sort of what I always think it should be anyways. And it seems like they don't really do it that way, but um, yeah, sort of like what I mean. Like, I don't like, I don't like the Thursday night game. I feel like that's, it's always sort of unfair if you're coming in and I know both teams are doing it, but if you're traveling on a short week and you only have like a couple days off of like the previous Sunday, like I always feel like that's stupid. So conceptually, I hate those Thursday night games, but I'm not going to lie. I watch most of them. Oh, I'm glad they're on. Yeah. I'm glad they're on. Cause we, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like I don't disagree with you. I'm a hundred percent in when they're on, I'm watching them, but um, that's what fantasy football does to us. I, I don't even, I haven't even played fantasy in probably close to 10 years. What? Yeah, I, I. How do you enjoy NFL football? I, I'm in an eliminator pool, and uh, okay, well know. that's fantasy football. That's the same. Thing. All right, that yeah, that's the same thing. It's Jason, okay, gambling. Sorry, just gambling in general, yeah. any sort of skin in the game. Um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like it. It, it might sort of. It might spoil us, though. It might be tough to go back next year. Be like, oh, we only get it on Sundays now. Right. And I guess with college football being back, I would be fine with it. But I feel like there's a, there's a lot of fans out there, I think, that really only like the NFL and don't really care about college that much. Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, very much so. I'm not, I'm not one of them, obviously, but um, I do think that's 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 a real thing. So it would be uh, maybe not in their best interest to do that. But knock on um, wood, we'll we'll get through this someday eventually. And we're going to go back to a somewhat normal sports calendar. But. I, I guess that's I'll just wrap that's weird up. to me. It's the thing that's weird to me before you go, like um, people that are talking about doing football in the spring, like college football in the spring, it becomes damn near impossible to reset at any point. If you do that, yeah. like get back to normal, you know what I mean? Like you can't have kids playing two full seasons in like an eight month span. That just doesn't work. Fo- football insane. I think is certainly the, the biggest issue with that but i i do think that's going to be a problem for all the sports i mean the nba said they want to start their next season in december like december 1st i i i don't know i mean for those teams that go all the way through to the finals you're going to get like less than a month off and Mm -hmm. you're going to be back in training camp so um you know i'd be surprised if they actually get started again that quickly and who knows what happens there, um, you know, and the baseball's obviously got a long way to go to make it through on, on their season here, and they're kind of hanging by a thread and hanging in there. But in the meantime, just as a, a sports viewer, uh, I, I'm, I'm enjoying having a, a day where I can watch an NBA game, an NHL playoff game, uh, Major League Baseball, and a golf major championship all on the same day. It's yeah, be- <laughs> yeah, that's gonna be that's gonna be nuts. I I don't know if you looked. There's gonna be um seven majors in eleven months. Yeah, which is wild. That's wild stuff. It's gonna be. I mean, that's gonna be fun. I'm gonna get into that pretty much uh, quite a bit. I'm pretty sure. But yeah, it's it's nuts what this is doing in the calendar, and I think it's gonna be crazy to see sort of how the different leagues kind of reset. Um, obviously for like NBA and and baseball, it, it'll just be okay. Next year we'll try to do it normal again. Um, but when you start to look at 
like college football that if, if you try to do something in the spring that screws up the draft, it, it messes up the NFL too in the process. Um, and I, I don't know. We'll have to see what happens. You know, it's, it's just, it's, it's really screwing. And I, and I, it's part of why I think most of these leagues will end up just having to cancel right. and, and, you know, reset next year and, and not have to go through all that sort of turmoil. Don't forget of local interest. The NFL draft for 2021 is supposed to be in Cleveland. Yeah. Yeah, and that, so, I think they might. I don't we'll, know. They we'll might see whether to, that happens. See if they can get a different one or something, but we'll see. Yeah. yeah. Well, sports are back, my friend. For now, let's uh, keep <laughs> our fingers crossed that we can keep the games on because it's 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 been good to have uh, a little harrowing at times here for some of these teams, but uh, hopefully uh, we can get through these seasons and 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 keep things going here. Yep. Cross our fingers. Yeah. All right, man. Well, good to be uh, back in the saddle here and uh, in doing this. Uh, let's let's uh, do it again soon. Definitely got to. All right. That's going to do it for us. As a reminder, you can subscribe to The Nail in the Coffin on Apple Podcasts. We're on Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, and uh, stream us on your computer on waitingfornextyear.com. That's going to do it for us. For Travis Julie, I'm Tom Valentino. It's with a nail in the coffin. We'll talk to you again soon. Hey there, and welcome to the Joy of Paddle podcast, hosted by me, Minter Dial, a veteran of the paddle tennis world, and sponsored by Paddle 1969. Whether you're a paddle tennis aficionado, just beginning, or have never even heard of paddle, or Padel, as it's called in North America. This is an exhilarating new show that delves into the captivating stories of notable paddle personalities worldwide. In its inaugural season, you'll be treated to exclusive anecdotes, valuable tips, life lessons, and humorous moments shared by esteemed professional paddle players, industry insiders, and passionate paddle enthusiasts. With each season aligning with a pro tour, you can anticipate two engaging episodes per month. The Joy of Paddle Podcast is part of the Evergreen Podcast Network, where you can find other great shows in a number of categories, such as sports, health and wellness, true crime, and fiction. To find out more about Evergreen Podcasts, go to www.evergreenpodcast.com. Vamos! Vamos!